to Making Lemonade with Abby Brown and Lottie Drek. A positive news podcast proving that when life gives you lemons, there's always an opportunity to make lemonade. So Abby, here we are, season two. Season two, who would have thought? Literally no one. The people that are listening are thinking, why have you done a second season too? Oh no, no, they've kept going. (laughs) (laughs) How have you been? Um, I have been well, but much, much less interesting than you, my friend, who has been (laughs) to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics and back... And did a stellar, stellar performance, an amazing performance, and led your team, along with Meg, um, exceptionally well. Tell us all, tell us how you feel, your reflections, so your thoughts. Yeah, obviously, the end result was heartbreaking, um, but the actual events in itself and getting out there, especially with everything that had happened pre, pre-Tokyo, pre was quite amazing, the fact that we were even there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the amount of COVID like restrictions itself was, was ridiculous out there. Masks worn inside and outside. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty intense as you can probably imagine being Mm -hmm. the pinnacle of sport. Um, but yeah, it was amazing, an amazing experience and one that I will definitely look back on with, with fond memories, but also memories to to take on and hopefully push into Paris 2024. So that's the goal already um but yeah no an an amazing experience and yeah kind of surreal being back in normal life now really Mm -hmm. definitely I mean we were all incredibly proud of you and you did yeah such a fantastic job other life updates parents got a puppy that's a big deal obviously not quite a limbo but no but it's a big deal um little otto isn't he Otto, little baby otto He's a joke. Little Vimarana. God, he's an absolute beauty. He really is. <laughs> I'm not sure beauty is what your parents are calling him right now, but... <laughs> no, admittedly, I'm not the one that's having to wake up at 3.30am to take him out for a wee, so I can kind of get, go in, take pictures with him, and then leave quite swiftly and have a nice time for you. <laughs> convince your parents to get a puppy and then run away i think that's the way to go yeah didn't your didn't your mum say it was your fault anyway <laughs> i did some yeah i did a bit of persuasion but really they wanted him the whole time i think i think they're thrilled <laughs> so what else have you been up to any stories for me i think one of my main <laughs> one of my main corkers over the last month or so um, a story which you are aware of, but it's very on brand, is going down to Devon, catching the train for to go to a wedding. And so I got the train from Waterloo down to uh, Exeter, and apparently trains split still in this day and age. My friend and I got on, we were very smug, we had a table seat, the conductor um, proceeded to tell us we needed to move forward, Salisbury, uh, because the train was going to split, we were fine, we were very cocky, no worries, we'll move closer to the time. Obviously we didn't, we got very distracted, and then we panicked and ran to the front of the train um, at Salisbury, sat down, started to watch something together, um, and I looked at him and I said, oh, wouldn't it have been funny, wouldn't it have been so funny if we had got um, stuck on that train and just like ended up staying in Salisbury and not moving forward? <laughs> 
And then I looked at her and I suddenly realised I had left my suitcase in the carriages that were in Salisbury, not coming to Exeter, uh, as we were pulling away with all of my stuff for the wedding and um, some stuff for holiday, which I was going on after. So that was a classic, an absolute classic. Um, and next day, woke up at 6am, drove up Salisbury and back for our round trip prior to the wedding that started at half past 12. So all in all... But did you make it in time? That's yeah, the question. I did, because I was so certain that I was going to wear that dress that I had bought for that wedding. It was going to happen. And I got the it. first time you told me the story, I thought, surely not. Surely not. She's just going to put wear something else. You'll get it on the way back up. No stress. But only you would think, no, I'm no, going to no. go and get the dress I picked out <laughs> with my jewellery and everything else, my shoes, because I really worked hard on that outfit. Tenacity <laughs> is key. You have to just bear down and do it, and it will pay off. You will want to fall asleep by 3pm. You'll need a coffee, but it does pay off. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute cool. Good. <laughs> the olympics my first story today is one from the olympics i'll be interested to know if you've heard you had word of this on the olympic village village street as it were you may (laughs) have um jamaican athlete hansel parchment turned up to the wrong location for his event but luckily tokyo olympics volunteer named tiana saw him and gave him money required to take a taxi to the correct venue and he was able to participate in his 110-metre hurdle race and win gold. After the race, Parchment tracked down Tiana to thank her, repay the debt, and give her a T-shirt to show his appreciation for her act of kindness. After Parchment posted about his story on Instagram, the Jamaican tourist board have offered Tiana a trip to the island to thank her for her help, saying, no matter where in the world she is, we want to reciprocate the kindness shown to one of our own. Did you know that? I did know about it. I wasn't there, but I did know about it. Sorry. Um, but I didn't know that he had offered her a trip to come over. Well, the That's tourist lovely. board, the Jamaican tourist board. It was well, the, Jamaican, the Jamaican tourist board offered her the trip. Oh, right. Not yeah. Him. But mm. yeah, but right. Okay. You know, potato, potato. But yeah, she's going over. She's getting a little trip, which Fantastic. is lovely. Because of an act of kindness. And that's exactly what we want. And I tell you what, those volunteers were amazing. Were they? Honestly, they were so happy. They were always smiling, always saying hello, double hand waves everywhere you went. You would have like, you know, we think we had like lost and they were just waving like, you're amazing. And you're like, we weren't, but thank you. Like, <laughs> this is nice. You um, don't see a double hand wave enough. You, you don't. just it's, don't on a day-to-day basis. It's a bit dad-like, isn't it? Do you do it kind of like the same way or do you do them alternative ways? That's quite hard to... I think I'd alternate. <laughs> it's actually quite hard to do. <laughs> Those that people can't see us, we are waving at each other <laughs> quite practically. <laughs> similar sort of lines I thought I'd make all of my stories today about Tokyo 
fantastic stay on brand stay you know? on brand stay with it 100% keep it going hold on to it as long as possible mm-hmm. so my one is about a Tokyo cafe which is staffed by robots and which are also offered jobs for the disabled the shop and cafe inside Nihon Bashi Life Science Building in Chuo City is weighted and manned by people who are bedridden, wheelchair users and have other disabilities. The name of the cafe is the Dawn Avatar Robot Cafe. It comes from the robots acting as avatars for their pilots, most of which can't spend hours working on their feet. Kentaro Yoshifuji, the founder of the cafe, got the idea after having having to spend almost three years in hospital he could not leave his home or attend school so he got thinking of other ways to bring people into the workforce even if they can't leave their home the cafe's website says people with disabilities need a way to participate in society in their own way meet friends and get paid this is a way to meet talk and have fun without distinguishing between disabled and able-bodied people these robots are built by Ori Research Institute, which is a Japanese robotic company specialising in accessibility. These robots, which are controlled over the internet, are between one and four feet tall. They're white, sleek, with illuminating eyes, featuring cameras, a microphone and a speaker to allow their operators to remotely interact with customers. The robots show the customers to the table, make conversations, take orders, and even serve drinks and small plates. They also have like a display photo on the robot that shows who is manning that robot, mm. um, which I think is pretty cool. Mary McDonald, originally from Japan, currently living in Australia, says that sadly people sometimes treat her better in the robot form than in person. However, she does say it helps her feel less homesick while coronavirus restrictions keep her from visiting. So I just thought it was lovely the fact that classic Japan are creating a robotic society, but also they are helping people. Um, probably wouldn't get a job in that kind of catering business but now they are so is the woman who lives in australia in robot form in japan yeah oh yeah so they're not actually i was assuming that they other the the humans were also in the building oh no yeah i think it's literally all over the internet wow that's amazing yeah really amazing quick internet you would need some quick ass internet 5g fiber what you need yeah talking of australia this next story is actually to do with um Australia so we're doing very well on the the dovetailing today yeah keeping it going (laughs) (laughs) Um, according to Al Jazeera Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced a reparations fund for some members of the stolen generations the indigenous Australians who were forcibly removed from their homes as children Morrison told Parliament on Thursday that 378.6 million Australian dollars allocated to redress the human damage of the policy, including one-off payments of 75,000 Australian dollars for its victims. The Prime Minister told Parliament this is a long called for step recognising the bond between healing, dignity and the health and well-being of members of the stolen generation, their families and their communities. 
to say formally, not just that we're deeply sorry for what happened, but that we will take responsibility for it. Thousands of young children of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island origin were taken from their homes and put in foster care with white families under an official assimilation policy that Australia continued to pursue until the 1970s. Former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd made a formal apology for what had happened in 2008, describing it as a great stain on the nation's soul. The Healing Foundation, a campaign group for the Stolen Generation, said the reparations were a major step towards redressing the harm caused to Indigenous Australians by government policies and were long overdue. The Foundation's CEO, Fiona Comforth, said in a statement, Redress is fundamentally about acknowledging the past wrongs inflicted upon stolen generations and the lifelong experience of trauma and grief that is still carried as a burden today. If you might have heard of this story, it's been out there a little bit um, in the public eye, but it's about a Polish woman who was a javelin thrower out in Tokyo, Maria Andrzejczyk. <laughs> Don't know if I've said her name right, I really hope I have, and I apologise for pronunciation, but we all know I'm not great at it. So she actually overcame a shoulder injury just before Tokyo, but also overcame uh, bone cancer. Uh, in order to compete in Tokyo, where she did go on to win a silver medal. After winning her medal, she wanted to auction it off to raise money. Money for an eight-month-old baby's heart surgery. She said, knowing how much I had to fight against adversity and pain made me want to help. It was the first fundraiser she came across and knew straight away that it was the right one. The baby's parents were appealing for funds to pay for an operation in California as they had run out of options in Poland. Half the money needed had already been crowdfunded, but Maria wanted to raise the other half, the total being 1.5 million zloty, which is about £280,000. She started the bidding at 37000 with people commenting on her post to start bidding. Zapka, a popular convenience store in Poland, won the medal for $125,000. With its donations and further contributions, it surpassed 140000 more than she had hoped for. Maria said, it is with the greatest pleasure that I give you, Zapka, this medal, which for me is a symbol of struggle, faith and the pursuit of dreams, despite many odds. However, the company then insisted she kept the medal, saying they were moved by the beautiful and extremely noble gesture of our Olympian, but the silver medal will stay with Mrs. Maria. Which I thought was just I mean, I literally could cry. I literally could cry. Yeah, I think I almost did when I had a look, when when I read it the first time. I just thought that's just not like that's kindness and then someone else giving more kindness there's a whole lot of kindness in that and it's just it it makes makes me happy to feel that the human race is nice (laughs) and kind Yeah. yeah there are good people out there So we know last season we talked a lot about coffee. So a lot of coffee oh, chat continues to this day. Um, I'm here for it. I had a record number of coffees whilst in Abby's presence uh, last weekend. Three in a day. Couldn't believe it. Um, she did. 
<laughs> she really did. And she, we walked around and said, do you want a coffee? She, you were flagging and you thought, I do need a coffee. But you're like, oh, what's the time? What's the time? It was like two o'clock, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I had one and it was, it was all the best for it. So well done. Well done for being a coffee pusher. Um, <laughs> So a social enterprise that uses profits from selling coffee to help homeless people find their feet is opening 55 takeaway outlets in the UK and Ireland. Change Please trains homeless people as baristas, offering them a living wage job plus help accessing housing, a bank account and mental health support. This week, the social enterprise announced that it will be taking over 55 ATM coffee outlets in train stations, airports and hospitals. Its CEO, Kamel Ezel, Ezel said the expansion proves that you can offer an amazing product and do good at the same time. So a quick one there for you Abby but I thought you'd appreciate it and a pretty cool concept and fantastic that it's benefiting those who, um, who need it, who need it most. It's a really cool concept. Have you seen the advert for the Paralympic Games? I've seen a couple. Which one are you referring to? The one with the different people that not just Olympians in it, but like everyday people. Um, it's got like we we the fifteen stuff attached to yes. it. Yes, 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 yes. I saw that one today. Yeah. Yeah. This is what my story is about. So, we the fifteen is a campaign that is aiming to transform the lives of the world's one point two billion persons with disabilities, who represent fifteen percent of the global population. This campaign is launching at the Tokyo Paralympic Games. We the 15 plans to initiate the change over the next decade by bringing together the biggest coalition ever of international organisations from the world of sport, human rights, policy, communications, business, art and entertainment. The 15% who have a disability want effective change to remove the inequality and inactivity. They want to publicly campaign for disability, visibility, inclusion and accessibility. The aim is to hopefully build greater knowledge of the barriers and discrimination for persons that disabilities face on a daily basis at all levels of society. Craig Spence, Chief Brand and Communications Officer of the IPC, told Adweek, It's not a campaign, it's a movement. Society tends to see disability through one of two lenses. At one end of the spectrum, it's pity, you feel sorry for them. On the other end is what you see at the Paralympic Games, athletes doing remarkable things like running 100 metres in 10.5 seconds. He says that actually society needs to focus on the middle ground, which is that disabled people are like anyone else. So whilst we were off, some of you might have been aware that a report was published from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, commonly known as the IPCC, which is the United Nations body for assessing the science, rela science related to climate change. It was sobering to say the least, and I definitely felt a little bit, if not a lot, uh, hopeless um, afterwards. So I went looking for some ways to try to make a difference. Um, and found a fantastic guide on positive.news which covers 14 ways to make to take positive action 
Um, I think it's really, really, really easy to think that our actions don't matter, but if we all make significant changes now, we can try to contribute to positive change for all of our futures. Um, so if you don't mind, Abigail, I'm just going to go through a couple of the suggestions, uh, but I really suggest yeah. reading through the whole guide to see what kind of lifestyle changes you, um, we could all be taking and what are practical for you. None of them I would say are particularly groundbreaking i think we've touched on like most of them if not all of them before but i think they really do bear repeating so i'm going to just whip through go for it i'm here for it okay so switch to a green bank adam scott corporate partnership manager at friends of the earth explained a significant amount of finance for the fossil fuel industry actually comes from the banking sector with many uk households banking names among the worst perpetrators as of september 2019 nearly 150 billion have been invested in fossil fuels by uk banks since the paris agreement Fortunately, there are um, upstart financial firms like Triodos and Ecology Building Society are helping put the banking sector on a more sustainable footing. Rather than using depositors' money to fund fossil fuel projects, they bankroll green initiatives. Um, change your diet, we definitely touched on this one before. So research suggests that cutting back on meat and dairy is the single biggest thing people can do to reduce their impact on earth. And there appears to be growing appetite for plant-based diets. No Meat May, a charity that encourages people to quit meat in May, said that a record number of people made the pledge in 2021. Um, embrace active travel. Figures suggest that 60% of journeys between one and two miles long in England are made by motor vehicle, with transport accounting for a third of the UK's emissions. Substantially reducing car use, especially for short journeys, would have a dramatic impact. So where you could maybe, you know, walk to the shop or get on your bike to go to the shop instead of driving, could that be a possibility? Those kind of things. Um, shun the skies. Aviation is one of the greatest obstacles in the race to net zero. Although it accounts for just 3% of global emissions pre-pandemic figures, it's one of the world's fastest growing sources of emissions. What's more, the sector is one of the hardest to decarbonize. Until battery or hydrogen planes bring us the possibility of guilt-free air travel, consider flying less or even not at all. Helping make that decision easier are new no-fly travel companies, which are making overland travel more appealing. Europe's night trains, meanwhile, are being rebooted amid rising demand for low-carbon travel. Um, Maybe not be an option for some people right now, maybe easier said than done because I know we're all desperate to go to abro go abroad, but maybe something for people to kind of consider um, in the future. I haven't um, travelled by plane forcibly because of COVID for a while and it's definitely something I'm going to consider how I could be travelling in a more land-based way in the future, although the attractive prices of like EasyJet are very hard to to match <laughs> yeah uh, it's definitely something to be actually doing mindfully as well 
Um, and then my last one, um, which we've definitely talked about, is buy secondhand. Manufacturing products is often a carbon-intensive process and uses up precious natural resources. Happily, options abound when it comes to buying pre-loved goods. The Depop app is an especially popular marketplace for secondhand fashion. There's also a burgeoning movement to borrow rather than buy appliances through initiatives like the Library of Things. So just a few suggestions there, not the full list, but um, it helps, I think, when you can feel a little bit like everything's getting on top of you to really try to take an active um, stance and a positive action towards trying to make change. And those could be some ways which in which we could do it. Have a little look and I'll let you know what I can do. Thank you, as will I. That's it for episode one, season two. Oh my everyone. goodness. We hope you've enjoyed our listening to our voices again. <laughs> um. <laughs> the head- well, headlines haven't um, subsided in any way, so I think it's important to acknowledge that it's still quite a heavy time. So hopefully that this um, season is coming at a good time for you to just uh, give you a bit of a break from what can be and feel like quite consistent and heavy heavy news at the moment um so yep any all of the stories will be in our um show notes if you want to learn more we encourage you to because we're definitely experts and if you have any great stories you think we should be talking about then always message us or give us a message on instagram um thank you for those people who did it whilst we were off we really appreciated it um so yeah we will see you in a couple weeks and look after yourselves Take care. Bye.